And we're back. All right. I was going to get it going. <laughs> I'm getting the, I'm getting them. You see that? Mister, I don't want to be in charge anymore. I recall that text conversation when Ronnie put that out there that he wanted somebody else to narrate. And the first one that responded was, Mr. I don't want to be in charge. Yeah. Well, yep. I, I knew Ronnie needed a break. I less, was trying to give my brother some love. Less than, oh, less than three minutes. It, uh, it took on that. Yeah, yeah, very quick. I was still in the process of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, who, man, who might be good for that? And he came out like, oh, Broken Record Ministries podcast. Normally, it's where I'd say you're listening to the B side of the record, but I'm going to continue in part two of our short Philly Faith series. The resurrection of Philly Faith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that I didn't see any animosity in your face. You didn't like None. Didn't None. That's all good. Like you got shot. Never. Great. Nope. <laughs> Never after that other time. <laughs> so, as always, I'm joined by Mike number one. Hello. This week I'm joined by Mike number two. <laughs> Paying homage to him by saying Alpha, and now I'm back to number two. Yeah. Well, bidets and all. Yeah. yeah. And number one. You put yourself there. <laughs> two bidets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good, right? <laughs> Correlation studies aren't really good, though, Carl. Yeah, I don't care. It was a good joke. <laughs> it was a good joke. And Will is with us for the first time. Glad to have you here, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Before we get started, I actually want to read the only, we're not going to do a, like a full Bible study this time, but I do want to read a verse because it's going to be applicable to what we're kind of talking about. And it's from Psalm 23. And I don't want to do a full study of Psalm 23 because we're actually going to do that in a couple of weeks. Yep. But it's just one verse and it's verse four. And it says in the CSB, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Obviously, that you are with me there is talking about God, the shepherd. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm not a fan of that translation. Um, mm. it's, it's a little bit deeper than danger there. It's, it's, it's full-blown evil. Like in the, in, the, in the Death Dark Valley there, he's talking about you're surrounded by evil. It's not just, not just danger of any kind. It's pretty, pretty strong language in that verse. I just wanted to point that out. I guess before we get started, I want to ask you guys, what are some dark valleys you've been in? Mm. After me and my wife got married, sorry. No, go right ahead. I was just taking a breath. It happens. <laughs> good, good. Uh, after me and my wife got married, after the first year, uh, we decided we wanted to have kids. Uh, so, stopped contraceptives, whatever. Uh, and then there you go, the Catholic listeners. But go ahead. <laughs> Uh, so after a month, nothing, six months, nothing, uh, it started getting pretty dark for us. We started fighting a bit, uh, just things weren't going good at one of my jobs. And after a year of trying, we still hadn't heard anything, nothing had happened. Uh, 
so we made a really stupid decision to get two cats. <laughs> Anyone who loves cats, I'm sorry, but they are not the greatest. They're more cat listeners. <laughs> uh, but it didn't fill what we were needing or wanting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a year and a half went by and things were stagnant to say the least. And not just our marriage and our relationships with families and friends. Uh, we kind of shut ourselves out from everyone and each other. Uh, neither of us were really in the word. We would go to church, talk to people, but it, it was nothing more than even a scratch on a surface. Uh, so just thinking about dark valleys that it would the most prevalent one in my mind is that one. Uh, but thankfully after 20 months, uh, we had set a fertility appointment and three weeks later we found out we were pregnant mm-hmm. firstborn. And so that was a really wonderful, bright call say, Hey, cause they had called us to confirm, to come to the appointment, uh, and it was a great thing to say, hey, we need to change this up from a fertility to a prenatal appointment or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> stupidly enough, like we had our, my wife called or they called my wife and she had him on speaker and I was there. And even to hear like the three nurses or whatever talking in the background, hear us say that. We're ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, about a 20 month dark valley that seemed never ending. Right. Uh, blaming ourselves and each other it was a dark path. I don't want to go down. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. No. Wants to go down that yeah. by themselves or even with their wives. But uh, we get enough flack from the world saying that men aren't doing enough. Or, mm-hmm that we put on ourselves. So, right. Let me ask, um, you're on the other side of it now. Yes. So what have you learned from that dark? Yeah. What is that? What has that experience taught you specifically in your relationship with God? Do you think it brought you closer to him? There was a video I think you had posted, uh, about, uh, not, not trusting the process necessarily, uh, trusting God's time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I'm sorry, You're think, okay. thinking and getting through a thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say it brought us, us both closer, us both closer to God in our own relationships with God, our individual relationships. Uh, for me, the biggest one is learning it. Life is not about just me making it through. God had a plan for happiness, prosperity, life. Like he didn't have a plan just to have us exist mm-hmm. and then nothing. So you would say that you learned a little bit about his planning and his timing and to trust it, to trust it, to yeah. trust it, uh, forcing ourselves to not really forcing. It was a decision, 
to get our cats uh, was a, a wild thing in general, but uh, we didn't think it was going to fill that place, but we were at very extreme desperation, mm-hmm. uh, which brings in another aspect of how much we need God. We need to be desperate to talk to God every day, all day. We we can't hit that lull. We can't hit that valley, like on our own accord. Like life will happen whether you want it to or not. But your rod and staff comfort me. Mm-hmm. And I believe. Shut up, Apple. <laughs> not a sponsor <laughs> anymore. Uh, I believe back in biblical times. Another thing about rod and staff is they would carve uh, life lessons or times of life in that rod and staff to remind them what God has done. It gets you through. The reminders. <laughs> yes, the reminders, The being able to think about these blessings uh, and not just the I say it as a mundane thing, but every breath, every time you wake up is a blessing. It's very easy to have it wash away when you're in darkness, when you're in that deep. Mm-hmm. But that rod and staff, that God, I'm trusting you. And me and my wife had to make that a proclamation going to church one day is like, we're done being mad at each other. We're done being pissed off at God. We're done. <laughs> we're done. Like, Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God, we are trusting you. And looking back, even God's timing is perfect timing. Whether we want to think it or not, God's timing is perfect. Because within that time, the 20 months, I lost a job. My wife lost her job. We neither one of us had jobs for about a month in that. Uh, there was a lot of family drama and death going on. Uh, just life happens, but there was a lot of heavy things with needing a new car, with needing just moving into a house four months after trying, starting to try, and then three months after that, being jobless. And as a family, as just a man, all these layers the stress compounds and just pushes you into a ball. It squeezes you. And if you don't have, I don't want to say enough God in you, then you're just going to squeeze out death, which is what was happening. Uh, But yeah, learning from that is soaking up all the blessings. And now I hope whenever I'm squeezed again, is that's what comes out is mm-hmm. God loves his blessings and all the lessons I've learned in the last year and a half from being a dad and how I see my son and now my daughter. So you would, would I be correct in Sam? I'm not trying to interrogate you, man. I'm, no, I'm sorry, but this please, is awesome. Please do. Here, wow. Can you get the spotlight off of him? So you would say that that Valley experience for you was formative. Yes. With your relationship. I would agree with, with my own personal experience. I would say the same thing. I just wanted to hear mm. you say that. 
there anything you would add to that? No. No. I'm a little blown away. Yeah. Because honestly, like we were supposed to record this last week. Mm-hmm. And for circumstance I won't get into, we were led to, to cancel recording, which pushed us pushed us back a week. You wouldn't have been here. No. Yeah. Had that happened. And there's a couple things that you've said. We talk about his his planning and his timing. Um wow. Like everything you said is like the the focus that I really had in my heart. Um, where he's had me. I don't even think we're going to talk about what I planned on talking about this week. Honestly, we'll put that back next week. My bad. Don't know. No. I think I'm, it's a perfect example of exactly what you were talking about in his timing. He puts people in your place and in your path for a reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, sure. and it, it's, you know, sometimes for like maybe you individually, maybe we get put in your path for a reason, but there's a reason you were put in our path. You know what I mean? And, and to be able to re- reiterate and, and acknowledge that you had these issues, you know, and you had these struggles sometimes will open up cans that maybe haven't been opened before that you, we don't even realize. But at the same time, also being the definitive uh, explanation of God's timing and and everything and showing that just right here like we you know ace i talked about you know not not, uh not uh not discounting god's blessings Mm -hmm. you know his miracles his i mean and it's i mean honestly to fruition right here because if like just like carl said if it would have gone off like it was supposed to in our minds Mm -hmm. you know um then this discussion wouldn't happen you know and it might have been something that we all needed to hear or, you know, somebody that's going to listen to this needed to hear and, and know that this is, this is what we do. This is the, why we do it. So earlier today I had to go to a place I was waiting for a, for a drop off for a food donation. So I had to pack up my seven month old and, and head over to our community kitchen and wait. And while I was waiting, there was a desk there and um, they had some old, there was two old of those uh, daily bread devotionals on the table. Mm. And they were open to a specific spot. It was an old one from 2022, but it looked like they had randomly opened it and read it and left it open. Some said, read that. So I did. And the one that I read, it was on Passover. And this blew me away when you said that. You made that mention about the rod and the staff, how they would carve reminders of things that God had done in the past to remind them moving forward. And their focus when they were talking about Passover and the devotion was how the people of Israel kept that uh, that that celebration as a permanent reminder of what God had done in the past. And the whole focus on the devotion was re- remembering how he's rescued us in the past, how he's walked us through exoduses and at our dark valleys, and how he was there and present through the whole thing and remembering that moving forward for future generations and for ourselves personally, that he's, he's good, he's God, he's in control, mm-hmm. and we can trust him. Mm-hmm. Just that's incredible. It's well, it's funny that you say that because in between recording the episodes, I got an email from uh, the CEO, I think, of MS uh, Apparel. It's a faith based and, you know, Apparel. Yeah, I'm sorry. And uh, he just said, Hey, transparent moment here. I've been pretty convicted lately. Recently, the Lord's been showing me how easily I can become distracted in his presence. <laughs> you know, whether I'm spending time in worship, prayer, or, or the word, I'm just trying to focus on him throughout my everyday life. 
It is surprisingly how easily and often distractions come up. This verse has been great encouragement, but also challenged me in this season. Set your mind on the things above, not the things that are of earth. Yeah. And it's that's incredible. <laughs> you know, it's again, you know, I mean, we still, and I never want to lose it, but you would think you would, you know, at some point you would just get used to seeing these things. Obviously, a lot of people um, that I don't agree with would say they're coincidences and all that kind of stuff, you know. But like I said, I don't ever want to lose that sense of excitement when you see his, him just reiterated, no matter how many times. Yeah. You know, because obviously we know and we've talked about sometimes it's, he's reiterating it just for me because I'm too bullheaded to understand it or, you know, listen to it the first time. Well, how much God loves us. He wants to make moments that special, just oh yeah, directed for you. If other people are, it's collateral joy. Mm -hmm. I love that collateral joy. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. He talked about focus in there. And I think that's so important. That's something I was thinking, I was thinking about earlier today is it's an alignment issue. We, we talk, we're really good about talking in the churches about loving other people. And that's super important. Mm -hmm. But I think we kind of forget that the number one commandment Jesus references first there is loving God, loving the Father. Yeah. And loving people flows from that. But I think sometimes, and I've talked about this before, I think we get that backwards. We yeah. we we try to love people first and we almost treat our love for God as a secondary thing. When you don't have that alignment right, your love for other people is skewed. It's really hard to do it would be easier to do this if it was visual. It's hard to describe this audio, but if you have like a, a right angle, right? Just a line that's a right angle. So you have a straight up and down line and then a horizontal line attached to it. Um, if that if that horizontal line is straight up and down, that's like your alignment with the Father. So when you're perfectly aligned, it's perfectly straight up and down. So your love, that love flows into you, and it can flow perfectly out into those around you. But if you skew your alignment with the Father, what happens to the horizontal line? It shifts downward. So your love toward other people gets off-center, and it's, it's, it's not balanced correctly anymore. Mm -hmm. So when we lose our focus on God, it messes up our alignment with everything else. Right. It causes so many problems, and I really think that's the purpose of those dark valleys. I know it was for me, because so I walked through a pretty rough one I've talked about in the past, and we'll get into it again right now, but it was a couple-year process, and it was miserable. But it's what I had to go through to to realign me to him. I believed in mm -hmm. him, but I didn't have a good relationship with him. That was the problem, and it was affecting my relationships with everybody else. And until he was able to realign my relationship with him, my relationship with other people couldn't be aligned properly. And I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong. I'm, mm -hmm. There's still some things that need that need unmasked in my heart and <laughs> and made pure. A lot of things, um, but I'm certainly a lot better than I was a couple years ago. Right. And I can have that reminder now to look back and and you know the things that he was doing in my life that I didn't understand at the time may have been angry at him at the time or scared or confused, now I can look back and be like, oh, okay, I see what you were doing. I see what you are doing and I have more trust now than I had then. Mm -hmm. So these next few steps, I can I can take these next few steps with less fear than I did a few years ago. Right. Well, and we've talked before too about, man, why couldn't I have this 20 years ago? Hmm. We talk about his perfect timing. And if you look at yourself, I know you're younger than me and you are as well. You're older than me, haha, <laughs> Mike. But you know, I mean, look. If, if I think of myself twenty years ago, and I'm like, man, I would have been one of the ones I was talking about if I would have seen that miracle and something. You know, I wouldn't have noticed, 
or I could, I would have written it off. I would have spoken it away, you know? So he didn't give me any of those miracles until I was ready to accept them. You know, I was the, wouldn't even go to church, but would still pray if I needed him. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I was the, the jelly roll song, you know, the, Oh, I only need a, I got to need a favor, you know, what kind of savior when I only need a favor kind of thing. And, um, you know, but I wasn't ready. He knew cause he knows, he knows everything, you know, but it's that gentle reminder that sometimes isn't so gentle, <laughs> but again, his timing allows it to be gentle for me. And it, it serves as a lesson to where now having adult children, that to me is a hard relationship to have and maintain looking back. And when it comes and, and there's an issue, it's like, man, I didn't raise them that way. They know better. They know how this would affect me. And just that split second of, don't you think God's trying to tell you something in this? Don't you think you know him better than that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. no, you got no. to say it. Yeah. No, Thinking in my head, like, I want to call him my youth pastor. He wasn't technically my youth pastor. Uh, I went to one church, and then I started going to another church for the wrong reason for a girl that I was chasing. Anyway, (laughs) there was a youth pastor that came into that church the same time, and he was only supposed to be there three months, and he was there for seven years. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. the point. That's not what came into my head. <laughs> but since he was there, I served underneath him under his umbrella. And one thing that, as he started having kids, he always told me in close conversations and everything, uh, is look for how God speaks to you through your kids. And I always, I always saw that as whenever they're growing up, and I'm teaching them how God sees me as that. Hearing you say, it's even more like, mm-hmm. like it resinks that in. Right. To think of my kid as an adult, it seems weird right now. Absolutely. Like, I don't know if it's crazy. Do you think, oh, yeah, that was my kid. Like, it is my kid, but that kid used to be a kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for listeners for that <laughs> sense right there. <laughs> oh, no. We... Also, how God will be like, yeah. Sorry. That's just the little snippet. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, I mean, it was, and, and it was, a you know, a moment in talking to one of my children of kind of explaining through that of, you know, I, I have a choice. Just like God could have written me off eons ago, <laughs> you know, chose not to. So no matter really what my child does, and, you know, and, and when your child's young, I don't think you ever have any kind of an issue with it doesn't matter what my kid does. My kid could be the world's worst serial killer and I would still love them because my, they're my kid. But then if you have an issue when they're grown and you know that they know better, you're like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? You have that, you have that time though. You have that time to say my father. And obviously I, I, you know, if anybody knows my story and me and my heavenly father never turned away from me. Never made me feel less than still send the son to die for my sins. How can I not be even try to be a fraction of that for my child? Yeah. Yeah. But again, like 10 years ago, <clears throat> I wouldn't be here, mm. you know, cause God knew God knew when I would be able to accept 
him fully to then now lead the life that I let li- live. And that's part of what you see in Psalm 23. I, I, I love this passage of scripture. And it's not just because, I mean, everybody, everybody knows Psalm 23. Most people can recite, cite it. They'll, they at least recognize it, but it's not just because it's, it's, the notoriety of it. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you really dig into Psalm 23, we're not going to fully do that today, but uh, that's so loaded. I yeah. think we, we learn so much about our relationship with him and how it is he approaches us. Um, when you really dig into it, you learn about the the whole the whole salvation paradigm from beginning to ending. Mm-hmm. How right. it is, how it is he grows us in that process. The this for just being six verses, it's one of the most loaded passages of scripture that you'll find. That's what I was just going to ask because you had it open. Like how many? I forgot how many verses it was. Yeah. But and and I was just thinking too of how many different ways it can be interpreted. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and everything because before I would have, you know, if somebody would have said, what's Psalm 23? Oh, it's, it's the death prayer. Right. Yeah. Most commonly probably asserted to a funeral. Yeah. Exactly. But like, and that's not at all what it is. Right. Right. It's not, you know, I mean, it's kind of like saying that the, um, first, first Corinthians, you know, that love does not, I mean, that that's a wedding, mm-hmm. you know, it's most associated with that. Absolutely. But that's not what it is. No. You know what I mean? That's not what that is. That's not what Psalm 23 is about. You know, and it can can we be equated with that? Absolutely. But it's not what it's about. And to to be able to have that much in such a short lesson, if you will, yeah, is amazing. Yeah. If I was forced, and it'd be hard, and it would be incomplete, but if I was forced to summarize Psalm 23 in just a sentence, I would say this is how our good shepherd brings us from death to life. It's, yeah. it's it's a it's an allegory of how he brings us from death to life. That's why, like when you told your story, Will, and your 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 dark valley led to new life. It, like when that clicked in my mind, literally yeah. led to new life. Oh, went, yeah. oh my goodness! Well, it, mind blowing. It, yeah, because it, it, what happens in those in those valleys? I mean, we all have a choice, mm-hmm. and like we 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 talked about earlier. Right now, that choice is more leading away from God than it is to God. You know, so you, you either have the restoration with your your heavenly Father to say, "Okay, I don't understand why, and I may never, but I know that you're there, and you're still a good God. You yeah. still love me, and I still need to put my faith, trust, and love in you and you alone." And that's what you did. Mm-hmm. So again, that is part of the reason that you're sitting here today able to share the story that is going to affect, you know, people. And that has affected, I think, us sitting here listening to it because you were so open about it on your first time here. You know, so it's a a glorious thing. Silent Mike, you all right over there? Yeah, I was thinking back to a real dark period of time. Mm. When the bidet broke? <laughs> uh, yes, I had to go back to Tolopin. I have to go back and be a barbarian. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what he called us? Barbarians? Okay. Right. Or he called us barbarians. Hopefully more than one square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was more than one square, but it was also single ply. Oh, mm. that's the worst. Oh. That's, that's gas station stuff. Mm. That is a death dark valley for Oh, <laughs> man. But anyway, no, I was sitting here thinking, you know, for most of you, Listen, probably already know my story, but uh, there was a time in my life that, man, I was everything to me, and I, 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 I survived and 
thrived on my own accolades and who I was and what I had accomplished and was continuing to accomplish until one day, August 16th, 2001. And the stuff you had. And the stuff I had, yes. And I only say that just because uh, of your own admission previously, so. I went down and that was changed today, changed my life. And I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I was mad at God for 20 years. I wasn't smart like you guys after a couple of years coming out of it. He kept hitting me in the brick for 20 years. You weren't learning. Hey, it wasn't smart on my part. I promise you. Yeah. My intelligence had nothing to do with it. He, uh, I'm not going to interrupt your story, but it, it, if you knew some of the things that he had to let me go through uh, to get me to where I'm at now, you wouldn't think I was very smart. But the thing is, he knew what you needed to go through to get to, on the other side. That's why I'm telling this story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He knew what Will needed. He knew what you needed, Mike. What I needed was to realize the things in life that you can purchase are of zero, zero value. Mm -hmm. I had to lose everything. And I hated it. Mm -hmm. I was mad about it for a long time. Right. But some of the things he showed me in that time, looking back, because I did not see him at the time. Right, right. Was the true hearts of people, who you could count on, and what to count on. And that he was there, even though I didn't know he was there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, dark times serve a purpose. I was in a, a messy, gooey ball, like you described, Will. And I stayed there, and I was comfortable to stay there. Yeah, because I was all I was. I was the poster boy. Yeah, pity party for a long time. And he showed me a different way. I had a d discussion one time with a, a guy who used to go to our men's group and go to our church and stuff. And uh, he had said, how do you deal with seeing people who don't follow God, don't follow any of the commandments, don't have a relationship, but seem to have everything? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And I said, question Solomon asked. Yeah. And I said, do they have everything? Because, everything. right. If you're talking about the stuff, yeah, but what's their life really worth? Do you think that when they die, do you think they're going to go to heaven or do you think they're going to go to hell? And that's where you really need to know what is important to you. Because like our pastor says, all going in the landfill. That's right. I always tell. I always tell the story. You never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Yeah, can't take it with you. Right. You know. Or I think. Uh, I think Rose has told the story. Or Bob. Probably Bob here. But uh, you know, I want to take all my money with you. Well, here's a check. <laughs> that was my story. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That woman that was mad at her. <clears throat> yeah. She. He didn't leave her the money. Yeah. So a slick lawyer found a way for her to pay him his money. She wrote a check and threw it in his casket. Mm -hmm. There's your, there's your money. We're even. Yep. But she still had all the money. You know, true story. Yep. You know, whether you like it or you don't like it, and you know, if you're getting buried, there's only so much room you got in that plot, mm -hmm. right. and you're not taking it all with you, and it's not all yours anyway. Yeah. None of it is. No. 
Well, and you mentioned <laughs> in to the whole premise of that statement was, you know, they have all the things. Do they really have what they need? And I know I said we weren't going to dig into Psalm 23, and I'll probably <laughs> repeat this when we do. But I do want to point to something out in verse 1. It was like it was it, it paradigm shifted my my perception of this psalm when it hit me because I'd always really read it in uh, the KJV, the King James Version, or a similar translation. So verse 1 would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we always think of the things that the shepherd provides <laughs> for not wanting. And then I read it in the CSB and it just clicked. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. Mm. And when you, when you read through the fullness of the psalm, is it the things that the good shepherd provides? Is the all that you need or is it the good shepherd himself? Mm. I think what David's saying here is that I have my good shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd because he's my shepherd. I have what I need. Right. He's what I need. You know, when you change your focus on, it's not the stuff the shepherd gives you that's necessarily what you need. It's the shepherd himself. Mm. When you focus right. on him being the need and what he provides is just tertiary to that, it completely shifts your focus. It realigns you. Right. So you're not focused on what he gives you and what he does for you. You're focused on him, right. him alone. And he'll provide those things because he's not going to let you, you know what I mean? He's well, not going to let you needlessly say that no, no yeah. good shepherd would let their sheep needlessly suffer. Right. But if the sheep has the relationship in this allegory with the shepherd, then shepherd's all they need. Mm -hmm. It's funny you bring that up, Carl. I was reading the Bible this past week and I came across the verse of the lilies in the field dressed well. Don't worry about your clothing. And of course, with that is God cares so much for even the sparrows of the air mm -hmm. who do not reap or heart or store up in barns, but yet they're fed. It's funny you brought that up. It's funny you brought that up. I'm not going to get into it now, but there was, I can't get into it now because this is something that happened on my way back from Philadelphia, but I had a, a hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to like even say it without giving anything away. I had a, a, a very spiritual experience at a place um, between Philadelphia and home. It was just me and, and God. And the very first verse he brought me to was like a lily among the thorns. Very first verse he brought me to. And the whole lesson he was walking me through was formed around Psalm 23. Hmm. That one weighed heavy on me this past week for some reason. Well, it was like what you were talking about with the Good Shepherd is think about when they were out in the wilderness. The shepherd, what was he doing? Feeding. Providing mm -hmm. everything we need, or they need, I should say. But, you know, doing exactly what this is talking about. Yeah. Everything that they need, because he doesn't say everybody's going to be rich. Everybody's going to be powerful. Everybody's going to have everything that you need, that you want, I should say. Going to give us everything we need. Mm -hmm. And what was the air of the people there? They just... They wanted me. Sorry. I was about to say something I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> they were complaining. <laughs> That's all they did. You know, it's where it was one of those, like, at what point in time, you know, because obviously you'd done it before. Would God be like, I'm just starting over. You know, entire I'd give you this, you're not happy with that. You're you know, and 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 it's funny because and this is kind of a side bar, but I've I've sat in churches to where people have said, 
I don't care if Jesus Christ himself was up there on the pulpit preaching. Some people wouldn't be happy with it. Mm -hmm. That brings you to the point, Mike. Something I was meditating on recently was, it goes back to your conversation you had with that guy. How do you feel when people who don't follow God or his commandments or anything seem to prosper and prosper well? And I was one of those guys. And I am still, I guess, sometimes to a degree when I see something that I'm in, what I think I need. It's actually a want. Mm-hmm. It's not a need. God gives us all a life to live. Correct? Yep. Whether you're a rich man or a poor man, that's what God has given you because that's his plan. Correct? Mm-hmm. But yet, we're going to shake our fist at because we don't like what, what we've been given. Right. Is that not the ultimate disrespect of our Holy Father? Absolutely. So that's where my inner peace comes from now. I know that this is where he wants me. This is what he wants me to experience for whatever reason. It's his plan, and I'm going to roll with his plan. Right. Do I still want the new Dodge pickup? Yes. (laughs) Let's be real, okay? But if I don't get it, so what? Right. I'll have my little pity party for 30 seconds. Why is God mad at me? Mm-hmm. He's not mad at you. Nope. He's giving you what you need. I have a car that drives most of the time, and I'm going to smile about it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got people around me when that car doesn't drive that come to my rescue. Yep. He's giving me what I need. I think it kind of goes a little back to the um, what I had said at my final thought for the roundtable was we got to find that our servant's heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we have to be in, I believe I now have a servant's heart. I, of course, have not always. I was very much in the, I am not happy with anything that I have. It's got to be more. It's got to be bigger. It's got to be newer. It's got to be better. It's got to be the bells and whistles, all of these things. I was there at the time. You know, um, but you have to be humble in what, if this is the best I'm ever going to be, what God wanted of me. How how do how am I going to argue with the Creator? That's right. exactly where I was trying to go. You know, yeah, we're arguing with Him. Yeah, because yeah. we know God doesn't make mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're there driving a junker, for whatever reason, God wants you driving that junker. Yep. Whether it's to humble you, which I firmly believe is part of what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. You know, because growing up, I was latest, greatest, newest, fastest, whatever it was, it was at my hand. Right. Well, and like you said, I'm not above the, what, the newest iPhone came out? What? Look at that truck. Ooh, that looks a lot nicer than my 20-year-old truck I'm driving. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Not enough, but God's done enough. God, God has obviously done enough in my life and let me see it now because I can fully see it with my eyes open to say, I have what I need. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and that's why the 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 realignment of focus is so important because a lack of gratitude is just evidence that you're you're more focused on the things you get from him than you are on him. That was that was the problem with the Israelites that you that you referenced. They were mm-hmm. focused on the stuff they were getting, the food they got. They weren't they weren't in love with the shepherd. Right. When you're in love with the shepherd, you're less focused on the things and more focused on him. Right. That's what I think true peace comes from. I agree. 
Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and let's let's take our our song break, and we'll be back on the other side for some final thoughts. This week, we're going to play a song called Psalm Twenty Three, and <laughs> Clover. Just stick around; I'll catch you on the other side. are back again that was psalm 23 by mason clover so let's start pulling the needle off final thoughts <clears throat> who wants to start actually i'll start Ooh. i'll have you mike number two go last so you can praise out number two thank Ooh. you that's what i called you at the beginning you forget already maybe this <laughs> is <laughs> perhaps so uh my final thought is actually an additional allegory. I think that uh, since we were focused this week on the Dark Valley, Psalm 23.4, I think it presents a sort of a crossroad. I think the Dark Valley is, is a crossroad moment, maybe even a series of crossroad moments mm-hmm. at times. 
And the choice is fairly simple. It doesn't, it doesn't seem simple in the moment or in the situation, but it really is. You can follow the good shepherd and trust in his path and his plan or not. You can go the other direction. You can embrace the, you can embrace the shadows or you can embrace the shepherd. Those mm. are really your only two options. I uh, was in training for work the other day and they, they shared an allegory and I'd never heard it, <clears throat> but it's pretty fitting. It's from Plato. I wouldn't recommend you get any of your doctrine or theology from this guy, but the allegory is very fitting and it was <laughs> actually from his work called The Republic. Mm-hmm. And in it, he shared something called the allegory of the cave. And what the allegory presents is, and I'm, I'm not going to give this precisely the same way he does in that work, but I'm just going to share it in a way that's, that's within the same, same spirit. You have three guys that are in a cave, completely dark. They're all shackled in this cave. The only thing they can see is a wall in front of them that's illuminated by a flame. So on the opposite wall of the cave, you have this, this hole in this tunnel and in an opposing chamber, you have a flame and these people will walk by cutouts occasionally in front of between the flame and the, and the hole so that it creates a shadow. So they might have a cutout of a horse or they might have a cutout of a tree. They might have a cutout of a person. By the time it gets to the people in the cave, though, it's just a, it's a flickering, distorted shadow on a wall. And this is the only reality they've ever known. They've never known the real world outside the cave. All they've known is the distorted, flickering version of reality on the wall, and that's become their real. But one day, a savior comes into the cave, and he breaks the chain on one of the prisoners and leads him outside. And this prisoner, for the first time in his life, he sees the outside world. He sees the world as it truly is. And he's stunned and amazed, right? He's seeing trees as they really are for the first time, horses and people and the sun, like he's, he's seeing the real world and not just the distorted version of it on a wall. I think that's a picture of the sheep here in Psalm 23, 4, that for the first time looks up to the shepherd and says, you, you are with me. Because the shepherd is the reality of things. He's the reality of things. That's the, the direction and the crossroad that he wants you to go. Well, then the prisoner goes back because he's excited. Like he's seen the real world, he's seen freedom, he's seen liberty, and he wants to share this with the other prisoners in the cave, and he runs in and he starts trying to explain to them, this is what the real world looks like outside. There's a real world outside, I can lead you there. I can take you there. This, this, what you're seeing on the wall, this isn't it. This is just a, it's a false version of reality. There's a real world outside and I can take you there. But they were so in love with the shadows in the wall, so married to that reality that they beat him. Because they didn't want to accept that what he was saying was true, that there was a better way outside the cave. I think that's often what happens when we try to share the gospel. I think we're like that prisoner in the cave. And Jesus came in and he broke our chains and he led us outside and we find we see reality for the first time. Instead of seeing through the lenses of the world and through sin and through Satan's agenda, we see the world as he sees the world, at least a better picture of it. And we want everybody to see that too. But some people are so in love with the shadows in the wall that they're unwilling to hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And that's going the opposite direction on that crossroad. It's strange to think that somebody would go through that death dark shadow and want to remain there. 
but often that is the case because mm-hmm. it's their normal. And to harken back to what we talked about on the round table, as difficult as the dark valley is, if it's all you've ever known, it's very easy to get to a place where you're kind of comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to step outside the comfort to the freedom that Jesus is offering on the other side. Yeah. But we've got to make that choice. We've got to do what David did here. And when we're in that death, dark valley, looked at the shepherd and said, you're with me. You're with me. Um, it doesn't matter what kind of evil is around me. You're with me. And I know that you're the only reality that really matters. Mm-hmm. Well, Hike number one. Whew. Gosh, I love following Carl. So much. Um, I think, I think this, uh, what we talked about with enough is, is heavy on my heart. I think that we need to remember and live that God is going to give us what we need. I'm going to challenge myself first and everybody else this week to really think about what it is that you need versus what you want and making sure that we're making the right decision for God, not ourselves, not even what we think we need the right decision for what God would have us need. Two heavy hitters. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the party, Will. Uh, Only thing that's sticking out to me is the remembering what God's done uh, to get you through that dark valley. And an analogy that that Pastor that I spoke about earlier said, uh, whenever you're being squeezed, yeah, you see God coming, you're excited and everything, and inevitably everything kind of spirals down like a funnel, and you reach this tight point where you're squeezed so tight, and you can either look two ways, to a Savior or to the darkness, and you just got to look the right way. And you're going to come out and there's going to be an explosion on the other side, kind of like a black hole. No one, anyway, that was a bad analogy there, but. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's a great analogy because on a black hole, there is that event horizon mm-hmm. where you're in one state, but once you cross over that event horizon, nothing remains the same. I think it's a great mm-hmm. analogy. Transformation. Yes. Yeah. See, there's a point to anything. <laughs> it's beautiful. Absolutely. Yep. Number two. A. Thank you. A. Thank Mm. you. I'll take A. It's better than number two. (laughs) You know. Um, Yeah. I think for me, it's all about focus and steadfastness Mm -hmm. and where your heart is. I. I'm a person that wants to do a lot for others, but I have to be careful that I'm doing that for the right reason. I'm not doing it for self-glorification. 
we need to keep in mind that we can do nothing. Literally nothing. He showed me that here recently. We can do nothing on our own. We need to focus everything in our alignment approach to God. He's got the plan. And if he wants it to work, it will work. Mm-hmm. If it's not in his plan, I don't care what it is you're asking for. It's not going to happen. Yeah. That's where I've been kind of residing here lately in the last few weeks. Carl said it before. Sometimes we, we tend to put our our hope, maybe that's not the right word, but that's what I'm going to use, on someone else because they're like-minded, thinking this is the way we need to go. We, we completely negate step number one. And step number one is, Father, what do you want me to do? Yep. I think everything should start with that. I, I mean, you don't you don't need to be stupid, Father. Should I get cream in my coffee? Okay. Yeah. But with that mindset, before you do anything, that should be the first question you ask. Period. The other thing he's worked on me is 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 patience. Something he's been working on me for a long time. I've talked about it before. It's not my time. It's his time. We've got to realize it is his time. Mm-hmm. No better. I mean, I might have a plan to uh, rid the world of cancer or whatever it might be. But if it's not in his time, it's not going to happen. So focus on being okay where God has put you mm-hmm. and waiting. Wait for him. Yeah, I'll just add before you pray us out, you know, David wrote this psalm, and David was an imperfect man. He he sinned pretty grievously at a couple points in his life, but God called him a man after his own heart. And I think the reason is because when you look at David's life, every decision point he came to, minus a couple stumbles, yeah, he sought and inquired of Yahweh to determine what his will was. Rarely did he make pivotal decisions without seeking God first and pausing and waiting for the response, seeking confirmation and seeking to be in alignment with God's will. That's what made him a, a, a man after God's own heart. It wasn't a lack of failure. It was a willingness to hand his heart over to the good shepherd. And I think that's where we, we fall into a trap because in this society of ours, we're taught to hurry up and get it done. Mm-hmm. And you're not a maker or a shaker or a doer or a leader if you're not making things happen. And that's a lie of the world. Yeah. So you got? I think that's enough. Mm-hmm. I'll price out. I sure will. <clears throat> Father, we come to you tonight, four men talking on microphones, hoping that we have said something through the Spirit that will touch someone's life out there. Father, we can do nothing without you. We praise you for everything we have or ever will have. Father, I pray that these words we spoke tonight help someone out there. And it's part of your plan, Father. Father, help all of us to remember our first step is to look to you. Step number two is to pray to you and praise you. He glorify you, not us. Finally made it 
And I ask these things in your great son's name, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Tell that I'm already